Good morning. I just want to let you finish your conversation, so it's good. That's a good thing. Uh, just want to welcome you guys this morning to Soundhouse Church. Uh, my name is Ryan Grable. I'm the lead pastor. And before I get into our announcements, can I just, you probably don't think about this team unless something goes wrong, but can we give our tech AV team a big hand clap for everything they do? They work super, super hard, and it is funny. As soon as something goes wrong, all the heads turn back there, and, and, and I just told them, just duck, and then you'll be fine, you know. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for what you do. It, it, we can't do what we're doing without you guys, and so we appreciate it. Uh, also, real quick, just let you know a couple announcements before we get into the message is we have our, and it should be within your bulletin here. Uh, we have our Pathways information meeting, and just in case anyone's unclear about that, our Pathways, like this is an intro kind of class to the whole process of our Pathways uh, uh, process of discipleship. And, you know, I think sometimes it's, it's, it, we would think of it as like a foundations type of uh, uh, process of like learning more about these fundamentals of faith, which it is. I think sometimes, uh, you know, people can go, well, I've been a Christian a long time, and so uh, I don't really need to know that. But I was personally taken through this whole process of, I think it was like eight sessions, Austin, right? When, uh, so Austin was discipling me, who leads uh, Pathways, and he brought me through in the dialogue, the growth, uh, just, I think, even just a regrounding myself in some of these foundations that sometimes we just kind of take for granted in our faith, but they're essential for our faith, especially for stability in hard times, knowing what we believe, knowing to whom we belong, and then really having confidence in our belief. And so if you're interested in this class, we have an informational class right after service today, and Austin will be leading it and just introducing just the overview and then also um, the process that you can go forward with someone just one-on-one -on -one bringing you through, mentoring you through these fundamentals. It's a great program that he has developed. And so uh, secondly is our baby dedications. Uh, it has been an entire year. And I'm pretty sure during Corona, some babies were born or even made. And so I think that uh, um, if you're interested or you know someone who maybe has asked you like about a dedication. We'd love to uh, have them or you or a family member be a part of the baby dedication. Um, so what you do is just go ahead and email Taylor. She'll get you all set up, and it's going to be an awesome day. It's one of our favorite days at Soundhouse that we do, um, and that's on the 23rd of May. And then um, uh, the last thing I did want to highlight is for VBS. If you're a parent, oh, there you are. Um, if you're a parent and you, you love your children, they're sweet, beautiful, but if you want a little break from your beautiful, sweet child, angel, uh, that doesn't drive you crazy at all from being home so much, uh, we would love to have you uh, sign them up for our VBS. Uh, we're really excited to do it this year. It's going to be here, and um, it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be, I think, for a lot of parents, it's a time for 
parents to connect with each other, but also for our kiddos too. So if you know someone who's looking for a VBS, um, this will be a great one, and you can save the date. It'll be from July 26th through the 23rd. We're going to do like a half day of a VBS, so you kind of get the rest of the day um, with the family. So um, yeah, if you're interested, go ahead and do that. You can do that online, and you can do it through our website. Uh, uh, You can do it through our app. Uh, you can tell somebody, you know what I mean? So just let us know. We'd love to have you be a part of that. Um, with that, before Chad comes up uh, to share in this last, seri- this last sermon in the series on the Holy Spirit is, uh, uh, we have our fifth Sunday speaker coming up, which will be the fifth Sunday of this month. We're having a speaker you didn't get to see live. And he told me, because I was helping him set up their new, uh, their new auditorium that they just got, And he said, well, when I spoke on camera at the studio, you know, I'm a little bit more reserved because, you know, I didn't see people. He goes, but uh, when I come live, he's a church planner, and uh, I just want you to know, prepare your people. And I was like, what do you mean? Uh, He's a great guy, Kevin Johnson, and uh, he happens to be from Michigan, so I really support him as a church planner. And so he he and his wife have planted over in Lakewood, uh, just an amazing couple, amazing heart for outreach. And so he'll be here uh, to do uh, a sermon here and just talk about his church. And for any of you who are new, uh, uh, this is something that we do. Any hope uh, uh, people um, just know that this is a big value of Soundhouse is to support church planting in the greater area of Long Beach. And I'll tell you what, uh, Corona was not easy on church plants. You're probably not connected into this world like I am, and it has been very difficult. So that a church planter pushed all the way through and made it on the other side of, of the pandemic is amazing. It shows a lot about their character and leadership. Him and his wife are both educators in the LA school district, and um, just really excited to have him there, them here for that. And then after that, all summer long, so you can't go on vacation because we're teaching an extensive series on David, the character of David in the Bible. We need a lot of time to teach a character like David or Moses, and so we're doing it all summer, and I think it's going to be like 13 weeks, and um, we hope that by the end of that series that you feel like, man, I really know this character in the Bible who was pivotal, uh, a little bit more about uh, him, his journey, what God had for him, and what he really laid the pathway and the groundwork for the Messiah. So um, just be knowing that's coming, that'll happen after our fifth Sunday, and then Chad, could you guys welcome him up as he finishes out our series on the Holy Spirit? Thank you, Chad. Good morning. Uh, if, you, if you don't know us well, you got to know that even after four kids, Ryan is somehow baby crazy, and so those, those baby dedication Sundays, those are his favorite. He's right. He said, I got to speak today because he, he, he wants the stage next week with the babies. Um, and, and, you know, I, I am actually a little bit grateful that we didn't do baby dedications this past year because I don't know if you guys saw what sacraments and ceremonies in the church were like during this past year. Someone just reminded me of, of this moment. Um, I don't know if you, you guys saw this. It was, it, was, it was a priest who just put holy water in a squirt gun and had people drive by with their windows down and was just, was just shooting. So I had seen this, but what I hadn't seen until my wife showed me yesterday was this next picture. I didn't know it translates into christenings. <laughs> Doesn't that look like a scene from like a, a, the, the, the most recent um, Clint Eastwood movie? You know, just... Add a little dementia, and this is where this is Grand Torino, the sequel, 
somehow turned into this. I, I didn't see these during the year. I just saw this. Yes, and there's another one too. Someone, someone upgraded. These aren't jokes. These are real pictures. Uh, blew me away. So, so I am really glad that we didn't have to do that, although that would have been a great picture to have him. Of Ryan uh, with his squirrel. And oh my gosh, that kid must have been so upset after. Wow. Um, you know, what I love too about the internet is it, is it just is so good about taking uh, something small in our culture and just exacerbating it. So I, I just start, when I was trying to look for these pictures, I started finding these. I started finding this guy getting, getting cut into everything. Even, um, <laughs> I don't know if that's how appropriate that one is, but. And then this last one, there we go. The good, bad, and the Holy Spirit. And as Ryan said, today is our last Sunday of teaching about the Holy Spirit. So full circle, we're back where we should be. Uh, there you go. Oh, gosh. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we're, we're, we're getting to do um, baby dedications in, in person and uh, without uh, water guns. So um, as we said, today is our last Sunday on uh, teaching about the pneumatology of our church, the, the, the theology of the Holy Spirit. Um, the messages are all available uh, online on, on, on YouTube where you can go back and look um, at the podcast or whatever, but, but check it out if you miss any of them, if, you, if you're interested in more. Uh, this has been a, a growing uh, series for us as well. It's been a series that we have pushed ourselves to expand outside our comfort zone. We've acknowledged uh, that, that after just through, doing some study, reading some, some theologians, that historically the church has not known what to do with, with teachings on the Holy Spirit because they're complex and they're messy and they're so individual and they can be different for each person that, that they've just resorted to order which turned into silence and that silence has suppressed a, a, a major piece of our faith. Uh, and then often in, in response to that we have some churches who have um, tossed out the accountability of, of Scripture or of the rest of, of the Trinity to just uh, become solely based on my personal experience, solely based on what the Holy Spirit's doing in my life, uh, with less of an accountability in Scripture. So we've been trying to hold these all in balance, but have been vulnerable and humble as a church, saying, where do we need to come outside our comfort zone on this? And I, I'm excited about how this series begins to change our language going forward. Years ago, we did a, a whole series talking about uh, citizenship uh, in the kingdom of God. And how that changed our language that we'll use that still in, in, in messages today. When we did our hospitality series, that brought up this whole piece of Christian living that we weren't even really thinking about before. And now we see it more, we talk about it more, the call to hospitality. And I, I believe that this series is going to change Soundhouse as we go forward, change our teaching, change, change our vernacular, and the, the words that we use as we talk about uh, the role of the Holy Spirit in Scripture and in our lives and in the church. Today, what we're ending with is something that I've always been very passionate about, though, but I haven't given the Holy Spirit enough credit in it, and it's something called the doctrine of revelation. Um, so, so today, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit's work in revelation. Now, when I say the word revelation, I'm not speaking of the book revelation. I'm speaking of, of the theology or the doctrine of revelation, which we're going to get into today. And here's the goal. I just want to come out early, here's the goal of today's message, that we become aware of the work of revelation in our lives, and that we develop a humble confidence to read scripture and test spirits. Now, that sounds like a, a, a lofty, lofty goal for today, especially on a day that our coffee maker broke and there was no coffee outside, right? But, but I, I promise you uh, that that actually is already happening. 
It's already happening in your lives. The, the work of revelation by the power of the Holy Spirit leading you, leading you to be able to have humble confidence as you read scripture, as you make interpretations, and as you test spirits. And we're going to talk about what that really means. But I, I promise you that this is already going on inside of you. But to me, when I'm able to name it, when I'm able to identify what's going on in me, I'm much more aware of it. I lean into it so much more. Austin, you're on it. Good job. I just had to see if those were up there. Let me pray, and then we're going to jump into our text today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for how dynamic and individual and personal you are. Even though that gets messy when we talk about an organization like a church, we cannot deny the fact that you are personal and individual and that you meet us in the ways that we seek you and that you are working on each one of us in separate ways. Lord, guide our study today. And may we see your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So throughout this series, we have ended up touching on a lot of passages out of 1 and 2 Corinthians. And uh, spirituality um, was, 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 a, was a major piece of that culture. And so that's why we see it a lot in the scripture here, in those two, two books. But I wanted to pull out one thing. And if you have your Bible with you, we are going to spend the entire time not jumping around. We're just going to be all in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. Um, and it's worth, worth having that through. We're, we're going to read every verse of Corinthians 2 and walk right through it. Because it is, it is profound how, how, um, how clear and obvious this is in Scripture, and yet we don't think in terms of, of this revelation through the Holy Spirit. But a little about Corinth. Uh, Corinth was a Greek city, uh, a coastal city, a, a port city. And Paul journeyed there early in his, in his missions work, and he actually lived there for 18 months lived there for 18 months, established the church there, and then he moved on. But as he's going around the rest of his journey, the rest of his ministry, he begins to get more and more reports of what's going back in Corinth. And it seems like the unity that he had uh, been a part of, and that he had helped to establish that culture, was crumbling, was eroding. And he was hearing of all these different issues that were going on in that church. And so he's writing this letter of 1 Corinthians to address the issues that he keeps hearing about in his reports from this church in Corinth. Now, uh, it's, it's very interesting because the first issue he deals with is just the division, the, the, the divides. And it's something that I think we don't necessarily get in our culture because their divide was over a specific thing. It was based out of their Greek culture. You see, um, for, for Greeks, you know, when you think of ancient Greeks, Greece, you think of a lot of things, but, but philosophy is usually up there, right? Now, it wasn't just an academic study for them. It wasn't just in the university. Philosophy was a pastime for Greek people, right? It was something that obviously there were the philosophers who were leading it, but, but it was something that people, almost like, oh, have you seen that new show, right? Did you, did you catch the new movie? Did you hear about the new, the new band coming through town or whatever? It was like that, did, you know, have you heard of the new philosopher? Have you heard of, you know, the, the way of, the, of this guy, of this guy? And, you know, it's funny, it wasn't exactly popularity contest, as more as it was like trendy contest, right? What's new, what's a new outlook on life? Uh, what makes more sense, what's more logical. And, and so that was a big piece of Greek culture. Um, even if you, if you study Socrates' Apology, you, you see that where is he having these, these philosophical debates? It's not in a, in a school somewhere. It's in the marketplace, right? He's out in the open discussing philosophy, and people are walking up and saying, yeah, but what about this? And what, you know, that was just a part of their culture. And hey, that's fun. I love philosophy. But there's something interesting happening when that culture begins to seep its way into the church. 
And, and that's what we'll, we'll be picking up on because you see there's these divisions happening as people in the church who originally saw themselves as just the body of Christ are beginning to see themselves in the philosophical camps that they agree with. So it's not just we are all Christians. It's, well, I'm a Stoic, right? Or no, no, I'm, I'm more following the ways of Aristotle. There becomes these kind of different little philosophical camps and subdivides within the culture. But then what happens is, is that's, that's a hobby, that, that's, that's a personal philosophy, that's great. But they end up adapting that to Christian culture. Let me show you, it'll make so much sense when, 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 we, when we see this, okay? Um, 1 Corinthians, uh, where did that go? 1 Corinthians 10 through 17. Let's just do 10 through 12 right now. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement that there be no divisions among you, but that, that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people, this is whoever is reporting to him, that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters, that I mean that, that, that is, well, what I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, Peter, uh, or I belong to Christ, right? So within the church, it's not we are all Christians, we are all, all people of Christ, and they weren't even using that word Christian yet, but we are all followers of Jesus. It was, well, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I, I, I was here at the Paul days, Right? Soundhouse, who was here at the Tucker days? Who was here before Tucker? Who was here before Rogers got AC, right? There's all these different times when you entered the church. And in the same way, you can look at this and say, well, well, gosh, I was here in the beginning when Paul was here. So I'm more of a follower of Paul. And someone say, well, actually, I was in Rome the other day, and I got to meet Peter, and I learned from Peter. So, yeah, we're Christians, but I'm more of a, of a disciple of Peter. So people were beginning to, in the same way they did in their culture with different Greek philosophers, they were doing that with the apostles within the church. And it was forming these different mini little camps. Now, there's a piece of that that's just division, but there's also a piece of that, which we're going to really be getting into today, of where is it that we believe we find our spiritual wisdom from? Are you a student of Ryan Grable because you sit in this room? Or are you really a student of God? And so is Ryan. That's the kind of stuff we're going to be getting into. And, and it's funny as we, we can look and say this is so petty, that they were, they were forming these little camps, but we do this too, right? Um, I don't know about you, but I love finding the really obscure band that I like, obviously, but I love finding that, that, that weird band, you know, some Scandinavian whatever that, I'm, that I get to study to, and, then, and I'm all excited. But don't we all do this? If, if, you, if you find like an obscure band, obscure show, or obscure movie, and then it becomes big, you're trying to tell people, I, I actually was, I was there in the beginning. I, I liked them before they got big, right? People are talking about musicians, you know? The early stuff, before they got big. And Christians do the same thing too. Even in the church, we're, we're, we're chasing uh, which, which new pastor has the deepest V and looks the coolest and is the trendiest and, and all that. Ryan, of course, laughed at that one. It's good. Um, but this can plague our culture of this, this subdivide of camps and our identity. But it's so much deeper than that. It's not just identity it's also, where do you think you are gaining your spiritual wisdom from? That's what we're going to be exploring today. This passage continues on, and I love just the human nature of Scripture sometimes, and this one, it's, it's so good. Um, and, you know, sorry, that last phrase, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Paulus, or I belong to, to Peter, uh, or I belong to Christ. At first, I thought that was such a good title at the end. Someone's saying, I belong to Christ. But why is this person saying it to other Christians in the church? They're saying, you don't. 
I don't know about you, I belong to Christ, right? You mean, you hearing that? So there's all this division versus unity. He goes on, verse 13, has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? This is Paul writing. He's asking them, was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God I baptized none of you except for Crispus and Gaius so that none of you can say that you were baptized in my name. Wow. That's bold. He says, I, I, I'm just, you know, you guys are all paying camps. I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you so that no one can say, oh, I'm in Paul's camp and you're not because you weren't there when we got baptized. Although I love the, verse 16 in, in uh, parentheses. I did baptize also the household of, uh, of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else or not. It was a long time ago. I can't remember. The point is, we weren't baptizing a lot of people. It wasn't about me. It was about Jesus. Right? That's what he's saying. He said, we're all getting into these different, these camps and it's not, it's not about what disciple or apostle you're learning from. It is about Christ. And Paul begins to address this issue by answering where our understanding of all spiritual things comes from. This is what I really want to lean into for today. Paul addresses this issue by answering, addresses the issue of, of, of divisions by answering where our understanding of all spiritual things comes from. And for this, we're just going to walk through chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles open, we'll be right there. Chapter 2, verse 1. When I came to you, Paul says, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I didn't come with this new philosophical idea. I didn't come to impress you all with my wisdom and my cleverness. I came to you and just introduced you to Jesus. This was nothing about me. This has always been about Christ. And I came to you in my weakness, in my fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Now, Paul is downplaying his speaking abilities. We have other biblical accounts that show that he's very eloquent, a very powerful speaker. But what is he trying to do? He's trying to say, guys, I, I didn't convince you of anything. It wasn't my way of life that I was trying to persuade you on. I introduced you to God in the flesh, God in Jesus Christ, and that's it. It is not my work. All I did was introduce you. Let's keep going in verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do speak wisdom. Though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to perish. It's not the wisdom of philosophy. It's not the wisdom of, 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 of humankind. It's not the wisdom of, of, of men or women who at some point will come to their own mortality. This is, is, is bigger. This is something different. The wisdom that we're talking about with the mature believers in that church, this is something bigger. Verse 7. But we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. We speak God's wisdom. We speak of our understanding of the things of God and his kingdom, not the things of, uh, of philosophers. And this is where I want to get into this doctrine of, uh, doctrine of, of revelation. Now, what word can you hear in the word revelation? Reveal. Reveal. Was that you? Was that, was that right? Oh, okay. Thank you, Bill. I'll say, pastor can't answer. 
Yeah. That's cheating. Reveal. The doctrine of revelation is actually quite simple. It's the idea that since creation, God has been actively seeking to reveal his nature and the nature of his kingdom to us. Now, he does this in a ton of different ways. But I think before we even get into that, you have to almost kind of acknowledge that there's a barrier. I've never seen God. I've never touched God, right? How am I coming to this understanding? How am I coming to any knowledge, as humble as it might be, how am I coming to any of that of God? Well, it's because of these sources. You know, I, I don't know if this is fully endorsed by church or whatever, but this, this next um, image, who knows what that is? Stranger Things. It's so good, right? I, I go. It took me like two years to convince Sarah that it's not that scary and that she can watch it. It's like a mix between Sandlot and Signs. It's, it's so good. But, um, but if, if you know about this, if you've seen this show, you know that there, these kids uh, end up finding um, the upside down, right? It's this is like other dimension. Well, that just sounds the nerdiest thing you could ever say from stage is dimension, right? But there's this other world, and one of their friends gets trapped there, and, and they become aware. Now, they didn't know anything about this place before season one, right? They weren't aware of it. They had no understanding. They had never seen it. They had never talked to anyone who had been there. There was, there was this divide. Now, if you imagine, we have that divide between us and God. I don't know about you guys, but I've never been to heaven, right? I, 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 don't, I don't have my experience that I can be pulling from on all these individual things. What happens, though, is, is you know, this thing gets opened and, and these monsters come out of it and, and, and out of this. And, and they're able to look at these monsters and kind of say, well, this, this, this place doesn't like heat. It likes cold and it's dark and it, and it makes us sick. And we're, they start learning. There's all these follow-up questions as they're learning about what this upside down is. You don't have to watch the show. It's, it's okay. Um, you know, I was thinking about it, too, with, with the cosmos. I was learning about... Um, uh, oh, I forgot his first name, but, but the man who the Hubble telescope was named after, Mr. Hubble. Uh, probably Dr. Hubble, let's, let's, let's be fair. And it was in the 1920s, I didn't realize this, before the 1920s, we thought that the Milky Way was the only galaxy. Um, and uh, they, they, they would see kind of these clusters of lights, and they said, oh, those are just like gases within our galaxy. And it was Hubble who, who got the first 100-inch uh, telescope and was able to see that, no, that's actually another galaxy and started measuring how far away it was. And then throughout his lifetime, I think he identified like 20 more. So whatever, I mean, we would look at our galaxy and we'd have all the understandings of how the universe works from just our galaxy, but that simple understanding of, no, we're actually one of many, suddenly just opens us up to a ton of follow-up questions, right? This is, is, is the process of revelation, of us being revealed to something the doctrine of revelation is the disclosure of the character and purpose of God. Now, this sounds nerdy and complicated or whatever, but guys, we do this every day. We're doing this right now. What ways do we learn about the nature and purpose of God? Let me hear you. There's, there's so many ways. What ways do we learn about the purpose and nature of God? Anything. Reading the Bible. Reading the Bible. That is an, an aspect, a piece of revelation. What else? Prayer, yes, and that gets into what we're talking about today, because in prayer we believe that God is, is, is dynamic and personal and that he is communing with us, and so that through prayer we can come to revelations about God, his nature, about our nature before him. 
You know, there's even something called general revelation, which is, have you ever heard someone talk about, uh, you know, they see the beauty in the mountains, they see the complexity of the stars, and they say, they say, gosh, you know, there must be a God who, who, who values beauty. There must be a God to be able to put this complex thing together. That would be general revelation, where God's creation is speaking to himself, of himself. We have all these different forms of revelation. The church is one. We come here and we learn. The greatest revelation, though, because it turns out there's a bit of a revelation hierarchy, right? You can hear a lot of accounts of something. Which one's more accurate? The, what is the greatest revelation? The church answer works here. What is the greatest revelation we have? There it is. Yeah, the church answer works today. Jesus. The Sunday school answer. Jesus is our greatest revelation. Why? Because we hold that he is God in the flesh. We're trying to understand God. We're trying to understand his kingdom, how he works, who we are before him. So we study, how did he create this earth? How, how did he organize our, our, ourselves and our communities? And I mean, even the idea of, of creating uh, the, the family unit kind of idea, right? This is revealing of, of, of the way that, that God works and, and what he cares about, what he thinks about. It's interesting, we learn this nature, and we get the scriptures, the Old and New Testament scriptures, and we're learning, and we see God working in and through people, and we're learning about what he cares about and all that, but the greatest revelation is God himself, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, which we obviously find about in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, this hierarchy is interesting because whenever we are learning something, we can kind of run it up the flagpole. So I can be by myself reading scripture, and say, this verse makes me want to think this, does that sound like Jesus? Does that make sense? This scripture says this, but I know Jesus to be this. So when we have this, this identity of Jesus, we actually end up beginning to interpret the rest of the Bible forwards and backwards through the life and ministry of Jesus. It, it is profound, it's powerful, and and we just learn little by little what Jesus, what God is and what he's not. And the important thing to realize here is that this is happening with the Holy Spirit at the helm. The Holy Spirit is the one who dwells in each one of us, who is working within each one of us. And as we're, we're, we're going to get to right here in 1 Corinthians 2, it is the Holy Spirit who is revealing to us the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of, of philosophy but the wisdom of God. Now you might say, but Holy Spirit didn't do that. I sat right here in church and I learned something today. It is the Holy Spirit who is, who is educating you. It is the Holy Spirit who is raising your level of understanding. It is the Holy Spirit who is allowing you to see this. You use a telescope to learn of other galaxies, right? Well, we, well how do we learn of God and his kingdom? We do this through the Holy Spirit. I found this quote I liked. Um, it's not going to be up there, but it says, it non, Revelation non-coercively captures the allegiance of the heart, brings new vision and human, uh, to human imagination, and provides new direction to human reason. You know, Revelation, uh, the idea of Revelation, it's not like test answers. It's, it's not this way or that way. It's more of understanding nature. Now, the practical piece of that is profound and is powerful. I experienced this the other day. We just finished up community groups this past winter, and there was one community group that I hopped in with Weston and Chuck and Tilly, and I was in their group, and they asked, they asked me to join the group because they're having this question. They were reading and interpreting this one verse of Ephesians, and they said, this verse almost makes it feel 
like it's works-based salvation. And all three of them said, but that doesn't sound right. They said, I, I, I know that's not right. We see of, of Jesus and the grace that he offers people. And we say, that doesn't make sense. And I, I was uh, um, congratulating them, saying, like, you know, I don't know if you realize it or not, but this is evidence of, of revelation happening within you. That you were able to read this passage and say, I think I'm interpreting this wrong because this is not sound like Jesus. And I was, I was telling them that I, I like the image of, of that the more we learn, the better we get at, at, at hearing and identifying the voice of our shepherd. But that's a super pastor answer. Weston gave an even better one. He said, it's kind of like saying that doesn't smell right. I, I love that. And I actually did this experiment this past week. I got two things of, of, of milk, and I put one in the fridge, and I put one outside. And I was going to have it up here, and uh, um, I opened it up, and actually the, the one that was outside smelled fine, so it wouldn't have worked. So I, I, I scrapped it. So, yeah, good day for milk. But... Um, but you've had that experience. You've gone to get your bowl of cereal. I've even had that where you pour it, and as you're walking to the table, you're like, something's, something's not right here. Right? And not, it's not even like mold on stuff, but you, you pull out the leftovers, and you're about to take the first bite, and you say, ooh, this doesn't, something, was it always that slimy? Right? You're just, you, you say, like, this just doesn't, this doesn't, what? We've all been there. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I keep stuff too long. But... Uh, Ryan and I have like an ongoing debate about throwing anything out of the, uh, the, the church fridge. But you're eating, or maybe you don't even smell it and you taste it and you say, mm, no, this one's, this one's not right. This, this meat's a little old. This cheese has gone a little bad, right? But you have that. Now let me ask you, did you go and get some certificate from the FDA? Did you go to dairy school and get your bachelor's in, in quality? No, you didn't. You had just know that I smell that smell and I, and I instinctually know that that's not right. Or maybe in the past I didn't know that, and so I, I ate it anyways, and then I got really sick, and, and so now I know that's not right. You, we, we learn in this way, but this is what the Holy Spirit does within us, and has been doing since the day you became a Christian, is slowly educating you as you open your scripture, as you come to a time of prayer or a time of worship, I don't know if we realize how much theology is happening in worship, but, but think about the words we use and the way we're talking about God, or the way we're talking about ourselves. All that is, is shaping. Or when we open up scripture on stage or, uh, or, or in a group, a community group or a discipleship group, we are creating all these opportunities, but it's not Ryan or me who is making this happen. It is the Holy Spirit who is elevating your understanding of the wisdom of God. Let's get into that, and, and, and we'll see this a little bit more. But that, that's the first piece of, as I said, in the, in the opening goal of humble confidence, is that we can begin to feel a little bit confident as we open Scripture. It's something I deal with a, a lot of. People will say, like, I want to read my Bible, but I just like, I don't feel like I, I know enough to even start. I don't feel like I know enough. Or, and it's just, no, 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 it's just piece by piece. And you can say, does this, does this smell like Jesus, Right? Does this sound like something Jesus would say? We, we can allow that, that, that work of revelation in our lives to begin to uh, empower our reading of Scripture. Let's keep going. I'm going to read verse 7 again. We'll start from there. But we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages of our glory, 
None of the rulers, verse 8, of this age understood this. For if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. If these people would have, uh, would have had you know, this, this understanding, this revelation of who Christ is, they probably wouldn't have executed him. They, didn't, they missed who he was. They, they didn't understand who he was. But you do. They, they didn't have the revelation of God's wisdom. Let me ask you this. Did you crucify Jesus when you met him? This is not a trick question. That sounds like a total trick question. I'm not getting philosophical with it. Very plainly, did you crucify Jesus when you met him? No. <laughs> I don't think so, yeah. <laughs> At least your last encounter with Jesus, what did you do instead of crucifying him? You thanked him. You accepted him. When you became a Christian, when you became a believer, you accepted him. As Lord and Savior, you, you, you accept him into your life. Now, how did you do this? How did you know to do this? And don't say because someone else told me, because people tell you lots of things, and you don't always believe them, don't always agree with them. You accepted this because the Holy Spirit was already at work with you. There's a, another piece of theology that I just think is profound. It's called provenient grace. And it's the idea that before you can come to God, God has already been working on your heart preparing you to accept it. Before you can come to God, the Holy Spirit has been within you, inside of you, shaping you, that you may accept this. That is revelation happening, the Holy Spirit elevating you. I found this, this quote that I, that I liked um, from a, a commentator. It said, for Paul, it is the Holy Spirit that has been disclosed that otherwise would be unknowable. Namely, what God is doing in Christ, the very revelation itself uh, the, the very revelation is itself grace, a freely given, unmerited gift from God without which gift believers would be as blind as the, as the eon rulers who were clueless as to God's purposes. But you accepted him because the Holy Spirit had been working on your heart, softening your heart, preparing you for that moment of identifying and surrendering to him. Verse 9, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. These spiritual truths, the, 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 the ability to be able to identify and, and recognize and claim Jesus, the, these wisdoms of God, the, the ones that have been unknown since the beginning of creation, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. I always loved the, the, the doctrine of revelation and thought it was interesting to consider where have we learned what we know, uh, what humble things we do know about God and his kingdom. But this one rocked me a bit because, and in this series of pneumatologies, I don't think I give the Holy Spirit credit for that. I think I give myself credit for that. That God is trying to reveal himself and I'm learning here and I'm learning there. But, but this clearly says that these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Verse 11, for what human being knows what is truly human except the human spirit that is within? So also no one comprehends what is truly God except the spirit of God. Now, now this is interesting because we're using spirit in two different ways. Um, and this is when it is advantageous to look to the original languages. The Greek word for spirit is pneuma. Um, and, and there's like six different usable definitions in this. And they're always d listed in order of, of commonality. What's most common? The most common use of, of pneuma is air. Movement, wind, blowing, breath, 
That's the number one use in their day of that word was of spirit it is just air. The third, sorry, the second is a part of human personality. This commentary said that when used with the flesh, sarks, it denotes the immaterial part of a person, flesh and spirit, the whole personality in its outer and inner aspects. This next part, this was part of this definition as part of this human personality. As the source and seat of insight, feeling, and will, the representative part of, of human life. So when it talks about um, for, for what human being knows what is truly human except the human spirit that is within, it's, it's not speaking to some ghost inside of you. It's saying to, to the, the essence of humanity, the essence of who you are, the, the, the seat of, uh, inside you of, of your insight, your feeling, and your will. And we do this all the time. Put this, uh, this next picture, actually. Um, this is Spirit of St. Louis, right? Um, first flight from New first cross-Atlantic flight from New York to Paris. Um, and I was looking up to, why did we name it the Spirit of St. Louis? It was because Lindenberg's hometown was St. Louis. He received a lot of donations, a lot of support from them. And so he wanted this plane to be going out in the spirit of St. Louis. He didn't think there was actually a ghost from St. Louis that was occupying this plane. It was, it was saying, no, in the, in the personality, in the drive of St. Louis, you've heard this, this use of that word spirit, right? The personality of. And actually, it's the same word as at the end of that verse, verse 11. Uh, the English commentators, the English translators just put a capital S so we know when we're kind of referring to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, which is another definition of this word pneuma. So read this again, verse 11. For what human being knows what is truly human except the human spirit that is within? What is, who knows what it's like to be human more than a human themselves? More than the spirit within you that knows what it's like to deal with the stuff of being human? Right? I thought I knew aspects about, uh, about uh, being a parent or raising a kid, but, but when you're up in the middle of the night changing a diaper or whatever, like you are learning what it means to be a parent, you're, you're, to, to, to raise a child. Um, it's very much the same way in the spirit of this. So also, no one can comprehend what is, true, uh, what is truly God's except the spirit of God. No one can come to understandings of God's very nature, his will, his insight, except the Holy Spirit, which lives in us. Spirit, Scripture commands us to test every spirit. Now we hear that as like, well, I can't remember the last time I was, met a ghost. I mean, I don't really know how practical this is, but when we hear that in, in terms of this other understanding of it, it's more of the, 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 the insight, the will, the essence of a person, well, that kind of makes more sense. And that, to me, falls under this understanding of revelation, is that when I hear someone speak as a pastor or as a church, or you read a Christian book, you guys know this, there are Christians and churches that look like everything around the world, right? There are ones that preach horrible, horrible atrocities and hate. But you are testing that spirit when you see that church that, that is maybe preaching hate, and you say, that doesn't sound like Jesus. That doesn't smell like Jesus. That is using the revelation of the Holy Spirit within you that has elevated your understanding of what is of God. And then when you test that spirit of a church or a pastor or whatever, that you say, this doesn't sound right. That is the work of revelation. And that we begin to develop this, this humble confidence, I keep saying. Because it's not just this kick down the door, that's not right, that's not right, this is right. That's not our goal. Our goal is to come together as a church community and collectively 
bring this, this, these aspects of revelation together and say, what is true? What is scriptural? What is of Christ? So it is this humble confidence that we want to develop towards scripture and towards dis discerning or testing the spirits. Let's finish out this, this passage. Uh, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us uh, by God. And we speak of these things in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Our ability to even talk about stuff like revelation or talk about, about stuff, you know, in Christmas and Easter and talk about stuff in these sermons is because the Spirit has been giving us these words. The Spirit has been giving us this understanding to even talk about this. Interpreting spiritual things to those who are spiritual. Now, when it talks about gifts, Let's look at how Paul uses that other word in 6.23 of Romans. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you have received that gift. You have this, uh, this revelation working inside of you. You have the ability to begin to interpret and talk about these spiritual things with, with others who are uh, opened up to these spiritual things. You are a product of the revelation at work inside of you. The work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, those who are unspiritual do not receive the gifts of God's Spirit, for they are foolishness to them, and they are unable to understand them because they are not spiritually discerned. Those who are spiritually discerned, those who are spiritual discern all things, and they are themselves subject to no one else's scrutiny. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Is that new for you to, to consider these things? To, to consider the fact that the Holy Spirit has been working on, on not just your heart, but your mind. The Holy Spirit, since the day you became a believer, has been trying to elevate your level of understanding. That when you hear something, or you read something, you are able to say, that smells like bad milk. I don't think that's right. Even with the best of intentions, like, like your community group, Weston, I'll do that so much where I open up scripture and say, well, I want to hear this this one way, but that sounds completely counter to who I know Jesus to be. That sounds completely counter to who I see God to be in the entire biblical narrative. I think I'm misinterpreting this. For instance, I love Psalms. They're, they're very interesting, and we learn a lot about the spirit of humans through that, right? The, the human element. But you could read one Psalm where David says, God, you have, have, have left me, abandoned me in a pit amongst the dead. End of psalm, you know? And you could walk away by saying, wow, God is someone who abandons us and leaves us in pits. But when we read the rest of scripture, we can say, I think David was having an emotional day because that is not consistent with who I see God to be. And most so when I look at who Jesus is, I don't see that. He is the one who stops and, and picks up the, 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 the beggar, picks up the, 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 the uh, disabled person who gives sight to the blind, I don't think he's someone who abandons people. This is the work of revelation. So my, my goal today is that you experience a bit of the freedom of realizing that you have within you the mind of Christ. That might sound intimidating, but, but I, I promise you it's a gift. I used to always worry that I don't know enough about Scripture, especially for my role, to be up here, do I know enough about Scripture? Do I know enough about God to get up here and preach today to some people in the room who babysat me when I was younger? <laughs> I 
I joke, but seriously, that was difficult at first. I never thought I knew enough, and I hope you can resonate with this. Do you feel like you know enough that you, that you can always, always speak uh, on, on behalf of God? I was crippled by that, that, that fear to be able to interpret Scripture. And it was understanding that the Holy Spirit is within me. That the Holy Spirit has been guiding my mind. And that I have resources like the life of Christ and like the church community that I can lean on to help in my understanding. I don't have to have every answer in every book. I just have to learn day by day a little bit more of the voice of the shepherd or the smell of Jesus. I need to learn that a little bit more and more that within my own life, within the people around me, and within scripture, I can, I can, I can just look at it and can say, this doesn't sound like who I know Jesus to be. That is the work of revelation. It is within each one of you and it is within this church. It is elevating the church. We lean on each other as we bring together this collective revelation of who we have learned of God to be and of ourselves before him. Let me pray, and we're going to go into worship. Dear Heavenly Father, you are powerful, and you are present. That should begin to bring change in our lives. You are powerful, and you are present. Lord, you bring understanding to us when there was a divide that we could never work around. I've never been to heaven. I can't understand the things of you or your kingdom. But your spirit has dwelt inside of us and is elevating our understandings. Lord, I pray that that does not overwhelm us, but that gives us a, a sense of humble confidence. That we don't have to know absolutely everything. We just have to continue to focus on you and let the work of your spirit continue to shape our understanding. Lord, help us to find a sense of that humble confidence, understanding the doctrine of revelation, understanding that you have been at work in our minds. Lord, be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you stand for this last song of worship?